Welcome to episode number 67 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. And Mike Hughes. And Mike Hughes. <laughs> As usual, uh, thank you so much to Jacques and Winstrong for the wonderful song. Uh, it's been in my head. It's been in your head. It drills its way into your head, Free Weed. So, it's definitely in my head. <laughs> anyway, here we are. It's episode 67. Uh, we're going to preview our October issue of High Times. We're talking about the New York Times and how they changed their whole editorial policy towards cannabis. We have uh, Jen Bernstein on to talk about her article in the new October issue about uh, pot jobs and cannabis careers. And we'll talk to MJ, Mary Jane from High Times about, uh, she actually has an inside scoop on the New York Times editorial board and their big decision on cannabis and their whole week long, you know, just barrage of, uh, of important information t- that they're releasing to the people about marijuana and how uh, we should end marijuana pro- prohibition on a federal level, uh, which is great and groundbreaking stuff. Uh, as usual, of course, we have our cultivation segment with our strain of the fortnight. Uh, I'm going to talk about autoflowering plants, why why they exist, and why anyone would want to grow with them and also how you grow with them so uh that's the autoflower section we're going to take some questions uh and answer them from our listeners and yeah i mean that's you know episode number 67 we're excited so stick around we'll be right back all right so here we are episode number 67 of free weed from danny danko very exciting uh yeah, Mike, we just got back from Michigan. We did. Uh, we apologize for our extended absence. Yes. Do you remember yes. when we used to do the sorry recap where we just <laughs> said the stuff that we we're sorry for? Yes. We should lead the show with apologies. Just all apologies. We're sorry. Sorry. We suck. But, you know, but it's we're here just now. an indication that people actually listen and care. I had at least three cool. people that were like, what happened a to you? A few more than three. Right, five. Me, at least. But, right. Yeah, five. Well, you have anyway, a bigger fan base than me. But yes, as you were saying, we just got back from Michigan. Yeah, Michigan Cannabis Cup, a triumphant return to the state of Michigan for for us, in my opinion. I mean, we we killed it. It was great. It was really uh, a fun time. Unfortunately, you know, the award show got rained out at the very end. But uh, the the good part of that is that the rain really kind of held off most of the weekend until that very last uh, ending part. And I got Uh, like a half day because I didn't have to do the award show. It was like going home early. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because we do a show called Reefer Radio. Hopefully, we'll get to continue doing it over on Sirius. But um, what I had said about this, I, I kind of misspoke a little bit. What I, what I meant to say, not that other people are jaded, but just that it was very refreshing to be around people from Michigan who were so happy to have us there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people were happy to have us. The venue, uh, you know, was happy to have us and really, you know, just... We were so accommodating. Everyone that worked there, all the people, 
um, you know, that worked the booths and everything. And, and, you know, people definitely had to, like, scatter at the end and, like, kind of run for their lives because the storm <laughs> was pretty crazy. It so, was pretty rough. You yeah. know, and people were able to do that. And, and, and you know, we didn't hear uh, too much of a, a complaint about it because, you know, the rest of the weekend had gone really well. And so we were excited about that. Why Clef? Wycliffe. Whoa. I, very impressive. Yeah. I was not great. expecting to be that impressed by him, but he was well, great. Yeah, he's a great performer. He's he a did showman. like two hours. Well, what a showman. Yeah. yeah. He jumped into the audience. He did two hours. He jumped in the audience. He, uh, at the end of everything, he came back out and DJed a set of just, you know, like after party tunes and invited people up on the stage to just yeah. dance around and have Everybody fun. Everybody just come up to the stage, <laughs> which, I mean, I think probably wasn't the yeah, best idea. Yeah, we dabs with him and everything. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a wild man. You know, he man. did, he he did this thing where when he was in the audience, he was having people just say a word to him, and then he would craft a freestyle around. Pretty I mean, cool. He did a great job. He and did. a lot of times you hear freestyle, it's not really freestyle. It's like sure. written and thought of. and you know, So it's nice when someone can prove to you, you know, and just show like, hey, tell me a topic and I'll freestyle about it. And that's, that's real freestyle you know that's yeah. like so that was great and then what what you you judged the cup right what was your category i was in the concentrate category and there were some really great concentrates what uh, do you the, think of the michigan uh, wax man uh, it was great yeah it really was great yeah i mean they have a whole thing going on there like people don't even know you have to kind of like be there to see it but um you know it's not as much like you know cali and 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 Denver and Washington as places where people go for, you know, specifically for the pot experience. But what's cool is they do have the reciprocal, you know, if you have a medical card in any other state, uh, you can go there and it's honored in, in Michigan. And uh, people grow great weed. They have a long tradition and a history of growing in the Upper Peninsula and all over Michigan. Uh, they make great concentrates. You know, they're they're well up on all of that. And uh you know, it's really not that far away from the East Coast and, and, and you know, it's pretty centrally located to where a lot of people live. So well, yes. this is a, a conversation for another day. But what's going on with their like storefront scene, like dispensaries? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's constantly evolving. There are dispensaries, there are storefronts, but, you know, they're all basically operating under the, you know, I don't know. They, they're not very well protected by the law. So, you know. Uh, what's cool is we have a, a ton of great videos on our website um, of the Michigan Cup. Uh, some, you know, all the winners. We've got like uh, interviews. My colleague Bobby Black interviewing all the vendors and all you know f- shots of the winners and shots of the the event. So you can see for yourself what it was like. And I know you know they want us back next year. It's going to be big next year. We're hoping to fill that whole racetrack up with booths and and make a real party and carnival out of it. Yeah, it actually, it was a racetrack. It's like a quarter-mile track. It was <laughs> yeah. called Auto City Speedway. They even raced buses, school right. buses there, which was pretty cool. Like, I mean, we didn't see them do it, but... Uh, yeah, not while we were there, but they do <laughs> but, do that. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. I mean, people just really were happy to have us there, and we were happy to be a part of their scene and, um, you know, show up and just at least, you know, celebrate what they've been able to accomplish. And, and speaking of that, activists... Activist Chuck Ream uh, got the the Lester Grinspoon Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, and even with the storm and everything, we were able to at least have him make a speech, an acceptance speech, uh, which is also online at hightimes.com, and you can check it out. You should check it out because it's inspiring uh, speech from a very, very uh, powerful activist on a local level and, uh, you know, just on a on a worldwide level too, you know. I mean, he's just a powerful speaker. He's a, uh, an eloquent and effective uh man and activist so it was an honor to to hear that and to be a part of that experience for him and on the heels of all of that comes our seattle cup 
It does, yeah. So uh, just to finish Michigan, if you want to check out the winners or just get a feel for what that event was like, including the Wycliffe show or Chuck Ream's speech, go to hightimes.com, check out those videos. But yes, Seattle is coming up uh, September 6th and 7th, right? Yeah, yeah. We're at the Comcast Arena in Everett, Washington. Um, That's north of Seattle. Um, And the Whalers, the legendary Whalers, are going to perform. And not only are they legendary, but they are going to perform the album <laughs> Legend in its entirety. Uh, in its entirety at that uh, at that venue. So. so we had the Whalers in Amsterdam oh, last yeah. year, and they did a they they did Amazing. a great show. Great show. But what they offered uh, us this time was they were going to perform the best selling reggae album of all time, which, as Dan mentioned, is Bob Marley's Legend. And so that's going to be the show. I think we're going to add an opener, but. Um, the main attraction is the Whalers, and Family Man's going to be there. It's going to be a fun show up in Everett. Mm-hmm. Tickets available at CannabisCup.com. Um, there's VIP two-day passes. You could buy day passes if you're just there for the day. Uh, so, yeah, all those options are available. Come see. It's worth the price of admission just to see the Whalers perform. And, you know, the booths and everybody else. I mean, you get so much free stuff at these shows, like, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, and, and this is a U.S. Cup. This is open to everybody. That's so right. So it's, it's pretty right. cool. We'll it's one of the two legal area. states, and you could just go there if you're from, you know, Iowa or Florida, wherever you're from. You could just come to Seattle and enjoy the, the pot. Yeah. September 6th and 7th. That's going to creep up on you, too, because uh, it sounds like it's far away, but it really isn't. It so really isn't. your tickets now. Yep. CannabisCup.com. Um, and... The other big thing that we've got going on right now is our October 2014 issue just hit newsstands. Right. That's the High Times Magazine. The High Times Magazine. Yes, we still make a magazine. <laughs> right. That's true. In the October issue, uh, which it has a very striking cover, uh, a, a dollar sign made of, of cannabis buds and uh, some money there, very provocative pot jobs, start your cannabis career now. And, you know, hoping that, you know, people will understand what we're trying to show is that there's an industry, uh, there's a community, but there's also an industry and there's money to be made. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as uh, we do all that, you know, ethically and the right way. So, um, yeah, that's that's, uh, pretty monumental for us because for a long, long time there hasn't really been any kind of legitimate pot jobs and now we're in an era where there are thousands of pot jobs, so it's pretty interesting. Pretty it is, and actually, you know what? Uh, the person who wrote this pot jobs cover story is our managing editor, Jen Bernstein. Why don't we bring her on to discuss this issue? Uh, welcome, Jen. Hi, Jen. Hey, guys. And you wrote this story. Um, this is a cover feature on the October issue all about how people can uh, start their cannabis careers, their pot jobs. And so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, about this article, how it came about. Well, um, at our Cannabis Cup events, I've been hosting these panels and it's all about business, all about how can you get a start in the cannabis industry, in cannabis business? And one of the questions we always get was, you know, how can I get my foot in the door? What can I do to get started? And so I got tired of answering everybody's questions. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write it in an article and point everybody in the direction of the October 2014 issue of High Times. Excellent. Excellent. It's also a question I get all the time. So uh, I can definitely understand that people see the opportunities there, but they don't necessarily know how they can take advantage of those opportunities. And you've listed uh, a bunch of different jobs people can have. You've a listed baker's dozen. 
A baker's Danny. dozen. 13 That's jobs. That's 13 <laughs> uh, top pot jobs, everything from trimmers to bud tenders to, you know, if you're a lawyer and you're looking to, you know, get into the industry. It's really hard to navigate all of the laws out there, and we need qualified lawyers on our side mm -hmm. and, you know, dissecting these laws and working with us. Um, so, yeah, there's so many different opportunities. Uh, you could um, just get involved, be an activist, mm -hmm. start campaigning. Um, and we know a few of those people who are, you know, out there on the, the ground floor uh, just you know, trying to get involved and using their own skill sets and applying them to to kind of business. Absolutely. And one of the interesting things I thought about the article was you recommend um, several states that have very favorable laws if you're looking to get into this business. Uh, some of them are obvious, like mm -hmm. Washington and Colorado, but, but what were some of the other states? Well, Arizona. Arizona is, you know, uh, a state that is really, they have a ton of jobs. <laughs> And, uh, you know, in Colorado, we saw 10,000 jobs created in the first month. And we're going to start to see states really opening their doors to, to cannabis. And one of them uh, was Arizona. We talk about Dixie Elixirs and how they uh, are starting to franchise. And they have to get into test kitchens in Arizona. So if you're a chef or a cook... You can go work in a dispensary, and it's the dispensary that has a kitchen that can make edibles. And it's going to be the big companies like uh, Chibachus or uh, Dixie Elixirs who are going to be looking for people who can make their products in uh, the test kitchens in the state where it's acceptable through a dispensary. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's really just opening up your mind and, and thinking about how you can get involved. Yeah, and you also you profile uh, several people, but but also you give some tips to getting started. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to give away the whole thing here, but would you like to reveal one tip that you recommend for getting started in a canna business? Well, if you're a young listener or somebody who has some time to go back to school, we actually recommend uh, for students to start looking into agricultural schools. Um, we recommend uh, studying botany or um, agriculture. We say um, we list uh, some great schools, everything from Oaksterdam, uh, which specifically teaches you how to grow cannabis, to state schools. Uh, schools, let's see here, um, I'm just looking. Texas, A&M, Iowa State, Purdue, they all offer uh, degrees in life sciences and have colleges of agriculture. So that's one way um, if you want to get working in a grow to show that you have previous experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, just getting out there and growing. Right. And, you know, even people, uh, one of the cool things about this article is people who really have no knowledge of growing, but maybe they're computer programmers or they're accountants or, um, you know, they, they've worked security. All of those are uh, are emerging as, you know, ancillary businesses to these cannabis businesses or directly involved with them. Mm -hmm. And you even have writer in there as a, yeah. as a career, which is great. It just turns out. I mean, I, I was a writer and uh, an editor and I had a publishing degree and I answered an ad for High Times. That's how I got here. It's <laughs> just answering an ad. And there is no shortage of jobs, right? So you can go to weedhire.com mm -hmm. or you can go to Hemp Temps. And these places will post jobs that, uh, you know, I would just 
recommend going through and, and seeing if your skills um, match up with any of these jobs or take a look at what uh, they are recommending you have some type of background in so you can start um, getting the knowledge and uh, the education to actually get started in cannabis. Right. It is a, a great article, yeah. and I think everyone should read it. But uh, it is not the only article in this issue, right? Oh, it's not? <laughs> oh, it's the only one that I cared about. But you're the managing it. editor of High Times, so what else uh, can people find in this incredible October issue? Well, um, it was very sad, but you know, Alexander Shulgin passed away. He took his last cosmic trip, or maybe he's still tripping, uh, you know, out there. And, <laughs> we could hope. Yeah. Good way to think of it, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a really nice story about him, and, uh, you know, maybe you want to learn more. Mm-hmm. We have the ultimate dab lab. Right, that's showing, uh, basically, from clone to concentrate, the production of, you know, high production of uh, concentrates under, you know, the strict rules that they have as regulations in Colorado. So, um, you know, closed loop systems, everything very uh, on the up and up. So that's pretty interesting for people to see um, the advancements that are being made in that. Uh, Colleague Nico um, wrote a great article called All Systems Grow, basically describing all the various, you know, hydroponics, soilless mixes, all the different systems you can use, um, and all the variety of options that you have when you're when you're cultivating cannabis. Right, both hydro and soil right. setups, mm-hmm. um, indoor grows, and yeah, as you said, all the different mediums. Automated drip systems and mediums, and it's really a uh, very comprehensive article on that subject. Um, we also have a really crazy story that our editor-in-chief wrote about. It's called The Fury in Missouri. And, you know, maybe you guys should talk to Chris Simonek about, <laughs> uh, you know, what That's he a, had to do to get this story. But he first read about it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly unravels this crazy story about corruption and cops and drugs and this and woman gets shot, shot in right? the face. Yeah, crazy that's a crazy story. story. And it's all because these people, they I don't know. Would, they wouldn't they, walk somebody's dog. They wouldn't they, walk somebody's dog because on Facebook on they Facebook. posted about the Girl Scouts selling Jeez. cookies. That's right. crazy. Yeah. It was. Wow. It's just nuts. So I really recommend you read that one. It's a great read. Um, a little weird, but that's in the tradition of high times. Right. <laughs> we always have that read in there as like something for people that may, you know, may or may not be interested in cultivation, but certainly want to keep track of what's going on in our culture, which yeah. is interesting. Uh, the interview is with Bob Snodgrass, a, a legendary, Legend. legendary glass blower who taught new, you know, a immeasurable amount of people how to uh, create wonderful glass art. Totally heady art. Heady like, art. He is he's the, the godfather of glass. You yeah. know, that's he's really the guy who you know whose name you heard first when you you know in the in the '90s and, and stuff. Collecting and mm-hmm. just All art. I mean, this is art, people. Snotty pieces. Heady snotties. <laughs> <laughs> so well, cool. Okay, it's a great issue. You wrote October. a very uh, very important article with vital information for people, whether they want to dip their toes in, whether they want to get in on a ground floor and just start trimming for you know, 15 bucks an hour, or if they want to really like dive in, you know, invest their money and their time in the in the cannabis business world, because, you know, we are emerging as one of the, you know, big businesses that are going to be around mm-hmm. in the future. And we need to uh, make sure, you know, the right people are involved in all of that, and they do the right things. Yeah, everyone should pick up the October issue, which is on newsstands. Now she is Jen Bernstein, you can find her on Twitter at NYC Jam Gal, that's G A L. 
And also, uh, she is the host of Reaver Radio. Yeah. Which with is you. With me. Mike. And yeah. that which is I've available. Been on too. And, and, yeah. Well, yes. that was our best episode. Oh, <laughs> yes. Nice, nice. And that is available uh, currently on demand through the SiriusXM app. So everyone should check out all three episodes of Reaver Radio. Thanks so much for joining us, Jen. Thank you, guys. All right, you guys. I know you're interested in growing your own. That's why you're listening to the show. So check out our friends at BC Northern Lights. They make the producer. They make the bloom box. They make the roommate. They make all different grow boxes suited to your needs. You're not growing a ton of plants in there, but you are growing enough to smoke all you want, free weed, as long as you want. And they're designed and built properly. Uh, These are not knockoffs. These aren't Uh, machines that have been repurposed these are built for growing they have hydroponic units automated everything uh you know i mean they're the best they're the ones so give them a call at 888-236-1266 that's 888-236-1266 uh check them out at bcnorthernlights.com i believe they still have that deal where if you mention free weed to them they will give you six months of free nutrients uh with the grow box They've been building these things for a long time. They know what they're doing. And, you know, the the, the newest ones have touchscreen technology that uh, exceeds anything that I've seen in the grow box market at all. So check them out. They're our friends, uh, BC Northern Lights. They'll help you grow your own. They've been doing it since 2001. So uh, thanks to them for supporting our show. And we'll be back with more. All right, uh, we are back. Now, Dan, uh, last week, or maybe at this point the week before, I don't really know, but a uh, the big story... A fortnight in, ago. A fortnight ago, the big story in the world of marijuana was the New York Times yes. uh, officially endorsing full marijuana legalization. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And the cool thing about this is it was the editorial board, the voice of the magazine. This wasn't one person, you know, Nick Kristoff or Maureen Dowd or somebody just, you know basically banging their head against the wall saying Mm -hmm. this this was you know a a monumental shift in the policy of you know the new york times which you know you know it just to me was a very groundbreaking thing the times for a long time has had a policy of you know you know basically being hands-off about this and it's really interesting also that they um they conjured up images of alcohol prohibition even in the title of this uh it says repeal prohibition again yeah which, yeah. you know, really anybody with a brain can see the the, the similarities there. And, uh, you know, and there's just this one sentence there where it just says the federal government should repeal the ban on marijuana. It's nine words that I think are, you know, monumental in the scope of, you know, for people like us who've been trying to end this, um, you know, ill-begotten war on pot for all these years, you know, just to hear from the paper that you read as you know as, on a daily basis to, to hear them come around yeah uh, you know some people said it took a long time for them to come around but the truth is they did it and not only that but i mean they did it in force there's you know think a, a different editorial all week about you know letting states decide about the colorado and well, how that, things... that was interesting i thought mm-hmm. there are two quick points of interest they the editorial board as you mentioned decided to um to endorse full legalization as opposed to leaving it up to states rights because they didn't want to leave it up to the whim of whoever was in the white house second interesting fact the page that this is on is really cool it's an american flag but if you scroll down 
the stars become pot leaves, and for the first 15 minutes, that distracted me from actually reading the article. <laughs> but someone who did read the article is joining us in the studio right now. Yes. Um, it is our colleague uh, here at High Times, Mary Jane. She actually was able to speak with uh, the person who was responsible for this at the New York Times. Is that correct? Welcome, Mary Jane. Welcome. Hi. Real Thank name, you. right? That is my real name, yes. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you were able to actually like talk to people at the Times about this editorial shift that they've taken. I was. I'm very fortunate to know Jesse Wegman, who is an editorial board member. And when we um, read the op-ed, we were actually at the Michigan Cannabis Cup. That's right. It was a historic moment. I remember, Dan, you actually said you were very moved by the... I was definitely moved by reading it. it was, it's been a long time coming. And, you know, like I said, to me, I view it as a monumental moment in, you know, marijuana freedom. It was a huge, huge thing, and, and uh, I, yes, I was very fortunate, so I contacted Jesse, who uh, agreed to speak with us, uh, but he actually ended up putting us in touch with Andy Rosenthal, who is the head of the New York Times editorial board, and he's the one who actually wrote the um, op-ed, Repeal Prohibition Again, and he was gracious enough to um, take a phone call. Yeah, so that's the New York Times talking to High Times about this uh, this major shift in their editorial policy. And another interesting thing is that the, the government responded. The White House actually did respond to this. Um, right after the first, uh, the first editorial went up, they had a response to it, um, which basically said, you know, there, there's no science and there's no this and there's no that. And what's funny is that the, the, the rest of the series basically ended up, you know, rebutting what the White House had said, you know, daily, on a daily basis for the whole week. Um, there's six parts to this, um, along with that original editorial. So um, another, I mean, it was interesting for you, you got a glimpse inside how these decisions were made. And one thing that surprised me was that you, uh, you mentioned that that it was basically an anonymous decision. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Unanimous, I think, is the unanimous, word. Unanimous yeah. uh, decision it by was. the 18 board members? Yes, across the board. Um, Andy said that a couple of the board members had been agitating for the shift to happen for a long time. And he said he's been uh, in favor of marijuana since he was 18, but that there's a gap between personal opinion and action by the editorial board. So it took a little while, but ultimately all 18 people were in favor of the piece. Wow, that's really amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, anyone who's interested should definitely check this out. Uh, it's at the New York Times. Uh, oddly enough, they called it high time because obviously, you know, it is high time to make these changes. Uh, so we appreciated that as well, the little pun there. Even um, though we, we are 40 years ahead of them on this, High Times has advocated for the legalization of pot since our creation. But when you were right. talking uh, to the Times, did you get uh, a feel of why it was this moment that they decided to, to go in this direction officially? They evidently started feeling uh, a gap, a, a sort of an awkwardness in writing about marijuana with legalization uh, occurring in Colorado and Washington, and that evidently was the sort of real um, triggering event was this January. They realized that there were editors who wanted to write positively about pot and that they were unable to do so as long as the sort of official position of the New York Times was that marijuana is dangerous and, and should be banned. They didn't believe that anymore, so they felt the need to really address it 
in a, a meaningful way. Another thing I did notice too, uh, being a subscriber, is that there were there was an advertisement advertisement this week uh, for the first time ever uh, for a for profit marijuana company, Leafly, a full page ad. Yeah. It is a strain finding website, and uh, yeah, they paid the big bucks to get their full page ad in the Times, and there it was. And that's got to be a first. Yeah, absolutely. For a for a for profit, I mean, you know, nonprofits have have normals bought pages and, and and MPP has bought pages and things like that. But those are nonprofits. They have a different rate and a different sort of policy on what uh, what they'll do advertising wise. But for a for profit marijuana company to to just pay outright for a full page ad in the Times is also pretty monumental. Well, and just for perspective. Uh, Marijuana advertising is still incredibly contentious. I, organizations like Normal, which are nonprofit, and uh, even you know for-profit organizations like Weed Maps have been unable to get billboard space in Times Square for years. Right. So this is a this is a big deal. It seems like a turning point. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it is a major turning point. Uh, there's really it's very difficult to argue in. F- uh, against any of the things that they talk about. I mean, they the today, just today's was rules for the marijuana market. Um, there's a few things in there I would I would certainly question. I mean, they're talking about uh, higher tax levels for higher potency strains right. and things like that. I mean, that's a little misguided, but at the same time, they're taking this completely seriously. And, uh, you know, for what they've seen happening in Colorado and now Washington, um, from the injustice of marijuana arrests, that's just plainly obvious, from the fact that this whole, I mean, one of them was the federal marijuana ban is rooted in myth and xenophobia. And that's just describing exactly how we got ourselves into this mess. And, you know, the White House said you didn't address the science, and they have one here that's talking about what science says about marijuana. So they really did address all of these different subjects. Those that you're mentioning are the follow-ups to the original editorial, right? Right, yeah. right. It's a, it's a series that they right. did, and it's uh, pretty monumental. It covers basically all the different, um, you know, different aspects, the injustice of the arrests in particular, the racial aspect of um, who gets arrested for marijuana and why and how and all of that. So, you know, power is hearing this and money is hearing this. And, you know, as long as we steer in the right direction, we have an in- incredible opportunity and an incredible, you know, community and industry and all of these things arising. Indeed. And now, uh, Mary Jane, we have um, audio of your conversation with Andy Rosenthal. That's right, yes. Yeah. But before we jump to that and give our listeners a little taste of that conversation, one of the interesting things that popped up after this uh, article was published was I think it was Weed Maps. They had a petition on change.org, which was calling for the New York Times to change their policy of drug testing employees. Is that something that you got into at all in your conversation with the Times? Yes, Andy actually preempted me by addressing it before I was able to ask the question. I guess he had been um, doing the rounds with media before uh, he spoke with us, but he um, preemptively said, in case you're going to ask um, about corporate drug testing policy at the Times, I have nothing to do with it as editorial. It's a it's a corporate policy, but he did say that the publisher, uh, Arthur Sulzberger Jr., was in favor of the editorial. And he also uh, sort of suggested that he didn't really feel like anyone would ever be fired or not hired from uh, by the Times because of marijuana use. And it was, uh, I think you mentioned it was more of a, um, like for people operating big machines, like drug testing for that? Yes, he did say we drug test because people literally run presses and, and big machinery in, in the warehouses. And so 
there is some validity in testing for substance abuse. Yeah, but maybe take the meth heads off of that particular... Get yeah. the meth heads out of there. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, the times, they are a-changing. <laughs> well played, Danko. Uh, before we jump into this uh, clip, is there anything else that we need to know to set it up? I don't think so. He, he had a lot of interesting things to say. All right. So. Well, why don't we give it a listen? Yeah. The New York Times talks to High Times. We were at a High Times Cannabis Cup this weekend when the news broke, so we were with hundreds of like-minded people. And did they say yay, or did they say, Jesus Christ, why'd they wait so long? They said both, I think, and and mostly yay. I think that outweighs a lot. I'd love to know, uh, was the majority of the board for, against? Was it an even split? What what was it? No, it was, it was nobody objected. We had, a, we had a discussion, a fairly brief one, about should we just let this, you know, can it, is it okay for the federal government just to stay out of the way of these states? But they're not. So And also, that can change any minute. Right. And so the fact that the two big things in there are, A, the states are moving really fast, some more than others, all of them in defiance of federal law, and people keep getting arrested and put in prison. So just wait and see to us just felt wrong. So that was a problem. And uh, then we talked a little bit about legalization, repeal, and decriminalization. And you know, at the end of the day, we decided that this was just semantics, you know, and that I don't know how the federal government decriminalize. You're going to pay a ticket to what the federal government? You know, I don't know how they decriminalize marijuana. So we just we had that discussion, and it wasn't like people were there was dissent as such. It was that we kind of talked our way through that, and we came out on the idea of calling for a repeal of uh, the classification of marijuana and whatever that thing is called, the Controlled Substances Act. Just, just repeal it, not the whole law, but just rewrite the law to delete marijuana. To not, not reclassify it as a different schedule, but to delete it altogether from the classified... To, to delete it entirely, yes. And that is then up to the states to decide, which I think is proper. And if a state wants to ban marijuana use, they can do that, and good luck to them. I think, I think over the long term, it'll be hard for states to, to prohibit. But that should be their right to try it. You know, if some state wants to prohibit, or if some state wants to say you can only get it if it's prescribed, I think... Those are reasonable limits that can be placed by communities. I just don't think that the federal government doing it makes any sense because it's not dangerous, because it's just devastating to society, and because it just doesn't allow the states to have any wiggle room. Right. And then we decided to just make a big deal out of it because it was a pretty big change of position for us. And we also felt like it needed a lot of explanation. I was asked, I was on Chris Hayes last night, and he wanted, my first question was, why are you 40 years behind high times? You know, I don't have a perfect answer for that. We started talking about this quite a while ago. And early, early this year, it just became apparent that it was becoming increasingly difficult for us to write about what was going on in places like Colorado without having a position on legaliz- on, on the, you know, whatever you call it, I'm going to call it legalization for shorthand, mm-hmm. that, is, that was compatible with our saying, let them do it, right? Because if we don't think it should be legal, why are we saying let them do it? You know, so there was become there was this increasing kind of awkwardness, and we never took a position on any of those state referendums. We've been in favor of of um, allowing people to get it for medical purposes for quite some time, but it always kind of begged the question of, well, what do you think about the you know the Controlled Substances Act? It was just becoming increasingly hard to write intelligently about the evolution that was going on in the country without taking the stand that we've now taken, which is that the federal government and the federal law has to get out of this game. 
And so we wanted to keep saying positive things about that, and yet our position still officially was that marijuana is a dangerous substance that should be banned. And so it, was, so it wasn't, you know, Colorado was a big thing, I would say. You know, if there was a single thing that happened, it would be Colorado because, you know, you want to look at the experiment there and see it's, you know, actually it's working. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Colorado was the most specific trigger, but mostly it was that kind of evolutionary process where I kept thinking, we're saying good things about this, so don't we think it should be legal? Have you read the White House's official response? I did. What did you think? I, did. I was very pleased. It's always good to get attacked by the White House. Um, the main problem with it, well, A, I thought it was rather lacking in passion, and also they were they were making arguments that we hadn't made yet. You know, first of all, we never said it was a silver bullet. That was just that's one of those things that they do in Washington where you make up something the other person said and then attack your version of it. Mm -hmm. But um, you have to bear in mind that the Office of National Drug Control Policy is required by law to attack any call for legalization of drugs. So, you know, so we threw something in front of a robot and the robot responded. I just, it doesn't have much meaning for me. They said that nine, they said nine percent oh my God, of people who smoke marijuana become addicted. I'm not sure if that number is real, but it is the, the number you get. It's the one that we're using in, in the, uh, the piece on health that's running uh, later this week. But it's also less than like Hawaiian punch, you know? I mean, it's, it's a ridiculously low number. It's not a high number, it's a low number. And the White House, you know, thing puts it out there as if it's some kind of a, you know, oh my God, imagine that, 9%, you know, but look at the numbers for alcohol, look at the numbers for nicotine, look at the numbers for heroin. It's just a very low number. And then they said that middle school, something like middle school kids who smoke pot are more likely to get D's than A's. Well, no shit. I mean, really? What did they figure that out? They ignore the fact that the only thing that's going to stop a middle schooler from, from you know, a 13-year-old from smoking pot to the point where they flunk out of school are his parents, not the federal government. Never going to happen. We also got attacked by Bill O'Reilly, which was another sign that we must be doing something right. All right. Uh, very cool. Well done. That's a very interesting conversation. He's an interesting guy. This is something that's really unthinkable when I started here 12 years ago, that someone from the New York Times would be talking to us about, you know, marijuana policy in a favorable fashion. I mean, it's it's almost honestly unfathomable <laughs> at that time. And so the fact that it's it happened and it's real is just pretty amazing. And so thank you for reaching out to them and getting that um, exclusive, you know, chat <laughs> with people at the New York Times responsible for this major shift. It was exciting. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Mary Jane. And uh, we actually, this is going to be in an upcoming issue of High Times, right? Your That's conversation? Right. Yeah? Yep. It'll be in the December issue. December issue on, on stands in October. I believe yes. so, yes. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Mary Jane. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back with some cultivation. All right, you want to grow and you need seeds. So check out Cannabis Seeds from Gorilla Seed Bank. Uh, these guys have been supporting the show as well. They have great seeds. They have uh, seeds from every seed bank, uh, you know, all kinds of different options, all kinds of different deals. They have discreet shipping. They, I mean, I'm looking at the website right now, Amnesia Lemon, uh, 32 British pounds for a pack. Um, they have very affordable seeds they give you free seeds with orders very discreet great prices they've been around for years so check them out 
Gorilla Seed Bank. The thing about our business is you have to have good customer service to survive in this industry. Uh, BC Northern Lights, great customer service. GorillaCannabisSeeds.co.uk, great customer service. And that's really what we as uh, cannabis consumers want. We want to be treated like customers and we want to be treated with respect. And that's what these companies do. So check them out. Uh, they are Gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A dash cannabis dash seeds dot co dot uk they're on facebook they're on twitter tell them uh free weed from danny danko sent you and you will get some sort of special stuff uh free seeds of some sort or uh some kind of deal so definitely check them out definitely tell them we sent you and uh you know support the companies that support us man these guys are providing great genetics at a great price all right so uh this is the cultivation section, and we usually start that with straining the fortnight, right? Well, when it's been a fortnight, yes. And uh, this time it's been many a fortnight. Okay. So let's start with the strain. What do yes. you got? Uh, you know what? The strain this fortnight is going to be Space Bomb from TGA Genetics, uh, Team Green Avenger. Uh, that's Subcool, Ms. Jill, and a whole crew, a whole um, big crew of like very heady, cool people um, that are part of that. Uh, whole enterprise and yeah this was a top 10 strain of the year in 2009 it was actually the cover of our uh, December 2009 issue because it's just so resinous and um, as Subcool uh, told me it's the most resinous strain he'd ever grown and makes large amounts of almost white full melt bubble hash so Space Bomb is you know the bomb Hmm. Uh, the flowering time is very short, six six and a half to seven and a half weeks. So you know it's on the indica side when when it comes to flowering. As far as lineage, um, it's basically a male space queen, which he calls space dude, crossed with the tiny bomb. So basically, it's giving some some uh, you know some yield to that tiny bomb, which is great, but uh, gives it gives it some 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 bulk, and uh, you know it's like I said, it's super resinous, and the phenos. The phenotypes that you get out of this, you're going to get a few different phenos, but they all kind of tend to lean towards their um, sativa-esque heritage, which is uh, based on the C99 and the Romulan, um, which are both you know very flavorful but not huge yielders. So the plants are going to grow tall and branchy. Um, you get decent harvests indoors and outside. Uh, as far as flavor, Subcool says um, Space Bomb tastes like sour candy. Uh, with a fruity and a prevailing funk and works really well for pain relief. So that's good for the medical patients. It's really definitely head stash material. I've smoked uh, numerous joints of it and it just uh, really has a nice high, very pleasant uh, pleasant feeling from it. It's available at uh, tgagenetics.com. Attitude Seabank has it. I'm pretty sure gorilla probably has it and uh dispensaries in california and colorado definitely have it too so you know you can contact them anytime you should definitely check out uh the weed nerd show on uh on youtube that's a great show there are over 200 episodes of amazing stuff from Subcool and and mendo dope and all the people out there frenchie uh tc that whole gang, uh, Mushmouth. I mean, there's a whole crew of dudes out there and and, and ladies that are really, uh, they're growing for the right reasons and they're doing it all really great, uh, a wonderful job at it. Um, you can even check out our issue, I believe it's a September issue, has 
uh, Subcool's Outdoor Grow Tips written by TC. So check that out. And definitely, if you can get your hands on a pack of Space Bomb seeds, uh, grow them out. They're definitely keepers. And uh, shout-outs to TGA Genetics for keeping it real. Yeah, and we were fortunate enough to have uh, TGA Genetics at the uh, Michigan Cup. I'm sorry, not the Michigan Cup, the Sonoma Cup. Sonoma Cup, yeah. yeah oh, that was right in their backyard. And, uh, yeah, Miss Jill and Sub cool we're both on the panel for that and that was exciting to just get to talk to them right there um you know while they're doing their thing so um and they do great work for uh charities for autism and stuff too i think i've mentioned in the past so um shout out to them and all the great work they do space bomb is just one of many many amazing strains that they've been able to uh to isolate and separate and 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 give to the people all right, so definitely get your hands on some Space Bomb. And uh, what is our cultivation tip of the week? All right, I want to talk about autoflowering strains. I know this is a controversial, controversial subject. Controversial, yes. Yeah, and we've probably even discussed it before, but I just want to get into a little more detail if possible. Um, basically, you know, the number one question is, you know, what are they and why grow them? So um, I'll start with what are they? I mean, the earliest version was the low rider from the Joint Doctor, um, you know, way back when, um, you know, more than a decade ago when they had the Williams Wonder or Northern Lights Number no. 2 crossed with Mexican Ruderalis. And what that did was really shorten the flowering time, but it also made a plant that automatically flowers. So basically, you didn't even have to change the uh, flowering time, you know, uh, the light cycle to 18 or 12 or anything. No matter what the light cycle was, the plant would just grow to, you know, let's say, uh, 10 to 15 inches and then just to automatically flower and that's the ruderalis in it because it comes from northern russia and um, you know they had hemp plants there that just eventually adapted uh, as ruderalis to flower automatically because they have such a short season that they just that's what they did in order to survive and make sure they weren't killed by frost before they produce seeds um, that's what they did naturally when those genes were uh, added to other, you know, indicas and sativas, you ended up with autoflowering uh, plants that actually have, you know, THC and 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 that sort of thing. So, you know, the earliest ones, low rider, diesel rider, and that's years ago. And but advancements have been made, and potency levels have increased. So, the reason people want to grow autoflowering plants is, you know, if you're in a region, let's say, uh, you're in high altitude area where the season's very short, or you're uh, way north, you know, in Canada or, you know, Alaska or somewhere, and uh, you just have a very short season, then you can grow autoflowers and they're going to finish in time. The other thing is if you're not in a place with harsh conditions like that and you're just, uh, you know, in a regular uh, climate, you can plant autoflowers in, you know, May or June and harvest uh, just, you know, 90 days later. So, you know, instead of September, October, uh, end of July, early August. And in that way, you beat the mold, you beat the thieves, you beat the cops. Um, you know, there's a lot of motivation, depending on where you live, uh, to do that as well. So, you know, harsh conditions, uh, you know, different timing where you can plant earlier and harvest sooner. And, you know, uh, the God's honest truth is some people are just lazy and they prefer to just uh, plant seeds walk away come back in 90 days and harvest and not have to really worry about uh much else you know just keep them watered make sure there's no heavy duty drought but uh that's how autoflowers work 
Now, that means you can't have mother plants, right? You're always going to grow from seeds because there's no way to keep a plant from flowering. You can't, uh, you can't turn it into a mother plant. You can't grow the same one year after year. You're basically at the mercy of who you're getting the seeds from. Uh, there's no topping. There's no pruning. Uh, the vegetative time is so short that you really, uh, any topping or pruning of your plants is going to actually lower your harvest because the plant's life cycle is not long enough to really recover from any kind of uh, pinching or pruning. So, you know, you get a lot of just single top plants, which is fine, and they're, they're hidden well. Um, they stay low to the ground. Um, there's no transplanting. You don't want to go from, you know, a one-gallon bucket to a five-gallon bucket or any of that because you're going to lose a week or two uh, in that transition, and it's just there's not enough time in the life cycle for the plant to recover and you're just not going to get the yield that you would get by just putting it in the five gallon to begin with and letting it you know grow to fruition uh you should also use less fertilizer uh autoflowers are not heavy feeders even though you'd think you know because their life is so short they would uh they would be but they're not they don't have they're not as big as the plants we normally grow so you know they their nutrient requirements aren't as as high so always feed them a little less uh, ideal time to plant them, like I said, uh, you know, May or June, harvest in July, August, um, that's automatic. But in some places where you're not in a, you know, in a crappy climate, you can have two harvests, three harvests, even four harvests a year, uh, in, you know, someplace like Hawaii or, or closer to the equator with autoflowers because, you know, you just plant them, you grow them, and they flower, and they're done. So, you know, that's the benefit of them. Uh, first place I would start, uh, in most cases would probably be Dynafem. They're like definitely the kings of autoflower. They have autoflowering haze, autoflowering kush. Um, they even have, uh, uh, certified, uh, chem dog, basically, uh, what they call, uh, Dynachem. So they have that autoflowering too. So, and, and I've, I've smoked it. It works, uh, particularly if you're making concentrates from autoflowers, they're strong and they're potent and there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, if all anybody ever grew was autoflowers, we'd have a problem, but luckily that's not the case. So, you know, they have their place and people should know what they are and how they work. And if the, you're interested in finding out more, you know, do some Googling and check them out. But like I said, start with Dynafem and uh, you'll be good with the autoflowers. And now how about personal experience? Have you, have you grown autoflowers? I haven't personally grown them. I've seen them. You know, I, you can't go to Spain without seeing them because so many people over there are all about the autos. So uh, I've seen them and I've smoked them and they've worked. So, you know, I don't know, you know, we, it'd be great to get the lab testing done and really like, you know, figure it out um, side by side. But, I, you know, autoflowers have won contests over there in Europe and um, they're continuing to get more and more potent as well. You know, those guys aren't just resting on their laurels. They're constantly trying to find ways to make autoflowering plants that, uh, A, grow a little bit bigger, you know, that don't stay so low to the ground and give you a little bit more of a yield, maybe a three or a four week veg, and also ones that have a higher potency, of course, so, and flavor and all those other things. All right. Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that autoflower tip with us. But now it is time for my favorite part of the show. Listener questions answered by you, Danny Danko, and also sometimes me, Mike Hughes, on Freeweed from Danny Danko. Now, if you have a question that you would like Dan to answer on the show, you could get us uh, High Times, not High Times, Freeweed at HighTimes.com. We're also on Twitter 
He is at Danny Danko. I am at Mike Hughes underscore. What do you say we get started? Let's do it. I caught you mid-gulp there. Sorry. <laughs> All right. First question comes from Brandon. Uh, hey, Danny and Mike. First off, I love the show. I'm starting to plan out my first grow, and I was wondering what soilless medium you would prefer, especially for a first-time grower, and why? Cocoa or peat? What do you think? Uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, you should, if it's your first-time first grow, you should start with peat. Uh, something like Pro Mix in a five-gallon bucket is probably your best bet. It's uh, easy enough to use. It stays nice and light and airy, doesn't have any kind of pH issues for the most part. So I'd go with like a pro mix peat type of mix and add some additives to it yourself. And then, uh, you know, choose a nice uh, organic fertilizer uh, to feed with after you've used up whatever it was that you mixed in with your peat to start with. Um, doesn't hurt to mix in, uh, you know, extra perlite and things like that. I have a mix uh, somewhere on hightimes.com that you can check out. But I'd go with peat over cocoa to start with, uh, and then, you know, along the way you can learn cocoa is a little bit tougher to dial in. So start with the peat-based mix, and then uh, eventually, you know, you can try the cocoa. And a follow-up here, do you have a uh, an organic nutrient that you would recommend for peat? Uh, wow. You know, for a beginner... I would say, you know, there's general organics has a very simple, uh, two or three part formula. Uh, you could try the Vega matrix line from Cushman. That's great. Earth juice has always been good to me, but I don't know. Uh, haven't seen it for, for a little while. Um, yeah, I mean, botanic air has a organic care, uh, version of their product. That's pretty good as well. So, um, any one of those you could start with and, you know, always keep learning and keep, uh, you know, finding new things that you can add or, or things that you can boost your growth with. Okay, and final follow-up, Brandon writes, um, I am needing to work with my girls during the night cycle. I work crazy hours. I heard that if you put a green light in the grow room, it won't screw up the plant's light cycle. Is this true? Uh, yeah, that is true. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, our friends at Stealth Grow make a uh, green light that you can plug into uh, uh, an outlet and will uh, allow you to go into the room during the dark cycle and not affect your plants. And I have one here that I will happily send to you, Brendan. Oh, I'm sorry, Brandon. Brandon. Uh, I will send to you as a gift for, uh, for sending this email to us as a question, and I'll send you one of these uh, green lights as a, uh, a gift. All right, very cool, um, Brandon. So I'll get with you on email uh, by the email, and uh, well, let's make sure he's listening. So w once you hear this, uh, tweet us and get get Danko on Twitter and give him your address, and you will get one of those green lights so you could work with your plants. Thank you, Brandon. Let's move on to Johnny. Uh, Johnny writes, "Hello, Mike and Danny. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Well, thank you. Um, I would like to know why we need to pH our flush water when there's no nutrients in the water." I'm using deep water culture, and I would like to know why this is. Best wishes to both of you. Uh, you know, it's not quite as important to pH uh, the water that you're using to flush with as, as the water that you normally feed with because the pH of the water relates to the uh, uptake of the nutrients. And if there's not nutrients in the water, like you said, there's not that much reason to pH it. But you certainly don't want it to be out of range. You don't want anything over 8.0 or below uh, 5.0 basically any anywhere in, in there is going to be fine but you don't want 
anything that's way out of range just because it's really just going to uh, kind of lock up everything and, and it's not going to allow your plants to release the things that you're flushing for. So uh, you still have to pH the water and you should check the, sometimes just check the what's coming out of the flushing process too. Uh, uh, every once in a while it pays to uh, check the pH of that and make sure that your medium isn't like super high or low. All right, cool. Thank you, Johnny. And uh, Mario writes, Hey, uh, hello there, gents. I wanted your opinions on the best locations in Colorado for people just looking to grow their own. Uh, No commercial aspirations, just a desire to grow a few plants. Uh, Clearly, cost is a concern, but I imagine that things like general air quality, water quality, or humidity levels might also be a factor. Boulder sounds nice, but uh, with all those dispensaries, I imagine rents are pretty high. What would you recommend, Dan, for a person trying to grow some, you know, a few plants in Colorado? Uh, you know, I'm not there, but, I, you know, certainly Denver is very friendly. Uh, anyone, any, pretty much anywhere in Colorado has the right now to grow six plants. So it's really not so much a question of where to grow, but where it is that you want to live. Uh, and there's beautiful parts of that state all over. Uh, the Denver area is, you know, the city you know that's the big city and then you know you have the mountains and you have all the mountain towns and and touristy spots and you know boulder's amazing if you're into micro brews and things like that it's it's fantastic if you're gluten-free you know that's like certainly a hub for that indeed (laughs) yeah so you know i mean you can pretty much grow anywhere in colorado it's tough to really choose a location for you um you know based on just where you want to grow uh, but certainly there's counties and, and parts of Colorado that are, are, are more friendly than others. Uh, so, you know, a good thing to do would be maybe to go buy one of the grow stores like, uh, you know, and just, you know, figure out, you know, what's nearby there. Because <laughs> certainly there can't be too much problems in that vicinity. So you recommend a recon, you know, maybe go to Colorado, feel it out and uh, see what works best for you. Yeah. And I mean, the important thing is just to find the right space mm-hmm. to grow within the place that you choose. I mean, mm. uh, we can you help know. you with that. So once you find the place, write <laughs> us back and get some grow info. I'm actually going to, to Denver this weekend for a wedding. So wow. if I see anything cool there, uh, I will let you know, Mario. Oh, <laughs> and thanks for the, thanks for the note. Yes. Thanks for writing in. Let's go to our buddy, Mac, uh, Scotland Mac. He writes, I uh, hope you guys are well. Recently, in my grow shop, I've noticed a lot of new CO2 additive products. Uh, some organic ones in a bag that you just leave open, or some uh, that are in tablet form that you could pop into a glass of water or in your nutrient solution for uptake through the roots. Uh, my question is, although I have a good fresh air intake, would my plants benefit from any of these products? And if so, are there any pros or cons? Yeah, I mean... Uh your plants, it can't hurt. I mean, any CO2 that you add is going to help, uh, you know, just sort of bulk up your, your plants. It, uh, they're going to grow bigger uh, if they have more CO2 to, uh, to process. So uh, it certainly can't hurt. And if it's a cheap product like that where you just, you know, drop a tablet in a glass of water, you know, it's not going to last long. It'll probably, you know, give you just, you know, depending on the product, there's mushroom buckets and things. Some last a full harvest, you know, 60 days. Um, you know, the tablets might last a little shorter. I've heard of people brewing beer, um, 
in the room or even just making a brew of like just sugar and yeast and water that they're not planning on drinking but that they know is going to produce co2 so those you know there's a number of cheap ways to do that and co2 is great i mean the plants need it um to grow and but you know when the levels get really really high of co2 you know when you're in the 1500 parts per million range and things like that with uh you know then you really have to have like the lights and and the the feeding and everything at a higher level because the plants aren't going to process that much co2 without everything being in overdrive but like i said it can't hurt so uh you know your plants would definitely benefit from any one of those products all right and he also wonders is it possible to overdo uh the co2 like can can the levels get too high where it starts hurting the plants uh you know anything over you know 1500 to 2000 parts per million it's not going to really benefit the plants and it's going to start to give you a headache and you certainly wouldn't want to fall asleep on the floor of your grow room or anything like that because uh, the CO2 will drop down and displace the oxygen and, and uh, you'll basically won't be able to breathe if, if that happens. So there are levels of CO2 that are too high. And, you know, people get those CO2 headaches when they're in the room for too long. At, at well, I guess he means more for his plants, though that's all detrimental to him. But can he hurt his girls by doing this? Uh, no, no. There's even ways that people like will will pump the CO2 up really high to, to kill bugs and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to hurt the girls. It's just that they're only capable of taking in a certain amount. Uh, what's what's in the air normally is 300 or so parts per million. You boost that up to about 1500 or so, the plants can handle it. Uh, anything over, you know, 2000, it's just overkill. All right. And uh, Dan and I both awkwardly said girls there. That's actually in the uh, the email. So uh, thank you, Mac from Scotland. We appreciate it. Keep writing us. Let's move on to our pal John. Do you remember? I think it was episode 65. Uh, John, he wrote a a really long email. We kind of broke it up into different sections, and he complained a little bit about the raw papers not sticking. He suggested that my name be put into the title of the show, which I actually think is a really good idea. And then um, he also called your some of your advice bullshit, which it was, and then we confirmed that. Well, anyway, <laughs> there was a little follow-up here from John. Uh, he, he had to wait forever to get that show, but it was worth it, he says. And uh, he is willing to take you up on the bag swap idea. Now, if you remember, he had a question about how to... Um, maintain a good uh, a good level of moisture in his buds but you know they're getting dried out we decided that if he ever saw you he could exchange a bag of dried up shitty bud for the fresh <laughs> awesome bud that you had on your person at that time wait we decided that <laughs> i decided that and then he has accepted the offer so just okay. wanted to make that note thank you john again <laughs> uh if you see dan he will exchange a bag of shitty dried up weed from you for whatever weed he has on him at that time and I think that's a legal contract now, right? Because we said it on the radio. I guess so. Right. But your name is not being added to the podcast. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> What's funny is he says, um, uh, maybe I'll catch you guys in Clio. So that would have been like the, the, the chance for him to do this bag swap. Oh, but we're true. already back and uh, we didn't see him. So. Well, maybe we'll go to Seattle. Yes. So that offer is uh, standing currently. Uh, let's do one more from Twitter. At uh, Thibodeau1 writes, um, hey... I'm adding, like, the tone here. He just wrote it. Hey, when does the next free weed come out? What happened to Weekly? You guys didn't sell out to Sirius, did you? <laughs> and then uh, he followed up with, wow. um, just reread my tweet and realized it seemed like I was mad. I'm not <laughs> mad. I'm just worried that I won't get to listen. Uh, we've not sold out to Sirius. No, not no, yet. <laughs> not yet. We're trying. We're <laughs> 
<laughs> we have the for sale sign on the computer here. Uh, no. Or, you know, outbid Sirius and we'll sell out to you. We will sell out to the highest bidder, <laughs> which makes us incredible sellouts. No, hey, we are we we apologize for the delay. Yeah, we had delay. a couple of cups in a row there. You know, this is like, like oh, cup season, man, yeah. like four and five months. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, this is kind of our sidekick. So, uh, you know. We wish it was our main gig. Uh, yeah, if you can make it our main gig, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, we haven't From your sold- lips to Jaws ears. Exactly. We haven't sold out, and we, we do appreciate you noticing that we were gone for a minute. But, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, it, that's the silver lining on the cloud of us being gone is that people cared. People cared. We were gone. Like, this guy really cared. So thank you for that. And we didn't take offense to it. We didn't think you were mad. And if you were mad, you have every right to be mad because we promised you weekly and then very clearly did not keep that promise. So uh, thank you at Thibodeau1. Please do keep listening. And you know what? I was going to kill it there, say end the segment, but it's been a while. So let's do one more. What do you say? Can you do one more? Yeah. All right. Let's do one more. Uh, Jeremy Davis writes, Danny and Mike, first off, I can't believe y'all read my question. I guess the word y'all only sounds right coming from us Southerners. Anyway, I just did my first grow ever, and the results were less than par. The buds were not tight at all. Uh, It didn't smell like pot, uh, but it got me high, so that's a good start. Uh, What do you think this could be? Um, I can't spend much time with them because I have three kids, and kids come first. I'm growing in Houston in a garage. The temperatures get to the mid to upper 80s in the grow tent. Is there a cheap and effective way to keep the temperatures down? What do you think? Uh, well, air conditioning is the most effective way to keep the temperatures down. And that's probably a major part of your problem because upper 80s is going to stretch out the buds. You're going to have uh, exactly what you said, uh, buds that are not tight at all because they don't have the ability to get tight in that type of heat. They're, they're lucky to even stay alive uh, when you're approaching 90 degrees in your tent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's like uh, uh, air conditioners. You can buy stand-up air conditioners. Uh, that you don't even have to put in a window. You can put it in your garage uh, with a you know vent uh, fan that blows out, and they can create they can drop the temperature pretty significantly in the garage, and that'll drop the temperature in the grow tent as well. Um, particularly if you're aiming it towards the intake of the grow tent, um, you have good air circulation, but you're also in Houston, Texas, where it's just going to be hot all the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my advice is just put some air conditioning in there there i mean there's bigger things you can do too but it sounds like uh you know you want something cheap i mean there's swamp coolers and things you can bring in there that will lower the temperature and raise humidity and stuff but uh if you want something cheap and effective i'd say a standalone ac you can get them for probably under 200 bucks i'd imagine and uh that'll definitely drop the temperatures and your buds will not be as loose I'm yeah. going to read the next sentence here and, and see if you can identify where there might be a problem. Okay. I also, I grew from swag seed. Okay. That, that could be a problem, <laughs> that's too. That's right? I mean, probably part of it. That's yeah. a major part of it. If it's, uh, you know, uh, you could also be growing something. The reason it's not tight at all is because it's just bad genetics and it's really stretchy and it's not uh, something that's going to produce a quality product. Uh so, you know, certainly you don't want to start from swag seeds. You don't want to waste your time. You're in Texas with three kids, so uh, you're already taking a risk. <laughs> so, you know, certainly don't want to take that risk and be growing from swag seeds. Uh, so definitely improve the quality of your, of your genetics. Uh, you can do that from gorilla seeds. If you mention free weed, they throw in some free extra seeds. 
And, you know, they have some affordable strains there. There's stuff you can buy in the 40 to $50 range for a 10-pack of seeds that's uh, that you can get great keepers uh, and great genetics for, you know, affordable prices. And, and it's not even just a plug for them. You can do that from other people, too. But uh, at least they've been doing it for, you know, a decade. So they're not, like, fly-by-night. Yeah, and it is difficult. He, he writes here that he, he wasn't able to afford the strain he wanted. But as Dan mentioned, you kind of do get out what you put in. So if you start with the good genetics, you're going to get a better product, obviously. Um, but uh, please keep us posted, and thank you for writing us, Jeremy Davis. And move to Colorado. Move to Colorado <laughs> immediately. Take the kids, take the plants. Yeah. Leave the swag, it's take the kids. not that far from Texas. You can visit your family and or, you know your friends and stuff pretty easily. Exactly. But get out of Texas. All right, uh, so thank you, Jeremy. If anyone has a question for Danny Danko, you could reach us, uh, freeweed, at hightimes.com. On Twitter, uh, he is at Danny Danko. I am at MyQs underscore. This has been uh, the Cultivation segment. What do you say we take a little break, come back, put a bow on it? Wrap it up with Rob. All right, so here we are wrapping up uh, episode number 67. We're going to wrap it up with raw papers, as usual, as per usual. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, that's what we do. We're wrapping it up with raw. Um, We want to thank Jen Bernstein, managing editor, for coming on and talking to us. Absolutely. Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Uh, Lifestyle editor, I think. (laughs) I think. Let me check. Mary Jane, who talked to us about the New York Times editorial board's uh, new decision. Uh, everyone who wrote us and everyone who's out there listening and paying attention and tweeting us and Facebooking us and uh, Instagramming us and vining us. Is that a thing? Lifestyle editor. Yeah. Okay. Mary Jane Gibson, lifestyle editor. Yes. You, well, I don't know if you could vine somebody. If they okay. took a vine of us, that would be vining us. Okay. Vine us. Tumble. Do- Tumble. Tumble. We yeah. could tweet and we could Facebook. Google Plus. Is that a thing too? It's a Whatever thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Spread the word. Uh, you know, let people know we're out here giving you guys free weed, teaching you guys. We, sh- we still have that open offer from BC Northern Lights about, uh, you know, the Facebook page. Yeah, whatever Twitter. happened with that? It, it's just not, it didn't explode Nobody the way cared. we thought it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants a grow so box that bad. Box? We've got like four you or five free people out box. there. We've got four or five people out there that are, are vying for the grow box, but the numbers <laughs> just haven't haven't corresponded the way mm-hmm. we thought they might. So it's yeah, out there. We thought There's it was a grow be a box. There's bigger. a free grow box out there waiting for you. Uh, it just needs, we need bigger numbers. Uh, first person to email us right after this show wins a free grow box. Oh. No? No. No. no, no, no never mind. That. All right, so maybe not the email thing, but uh, go check out uh, BC Northern Lights' Twitter page and our uh, Facebook page and uh, f- throw a follow their way, throw a like our way, and please try to win that grow box. We're tired of having it in the office. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what else we got here? Uh, we're going to be in Seattle. You should join us September 6th and 7th, CannabisCup.com. Yeah, I got a cool panel plan for that. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, interesting new venue as well. Episode number 67, put it in the books. I'm ill prepared. <laughs> That's like the title of your autobiography. <laughs> I'm ill prepared. All right, so this is the wrap.
Um, wait, what was I looking up on Facebook? You just said some stuff on Facebook. <laughs> uh huh. 